Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, Craig, this month is Request Month, where we fulfill all of our loyal listeners' every desires. <laughs> and as it turns out, our listeners are pretty boring, and they just want us to watch movies and jabber about them for an hour. <laughs> Who knew? (laughs) Who knew? Today's movie comes from our listener, Nick S., and uh, he recommended uh, an old movie I'd never, ever heard of before. It's a Peter Weller and Shannon Tweed film called Of Unknown Origin. Man, I do nothing about this movie, and even when I went online to find out more about it, there's really almost nothing there. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it either. I'd never heard of it. This turns out to be a 1983 film... Uh, directed by George P. Cosmatus. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, he's a pretty prolific guy. He's directed stuff, you know, Tombstone, yep. Rambo First Blood Part 2, a couple of Cobra, that other Stallone movie back then, Leviathan, uh, kind of one of my favorites, which Peter Weller was also in, as a matter oh, of I'd fact. Oh, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, so... Um, he's a pretty prolific for what he's, for what he's done. Uh, and then the writer of this film. Uh, the film was actually based off of a novel, apparently a best-selling novel called The Visitor. Uh, Brian Taggart. And Brian Taggart, uh, you will know uh, from such uh, classics as Visiting Hours, <laughs> uh, Poltergeist 3, <laughs> episodes of V, The Omen 4. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Stuff like this. So, um, not the pro- most prolific. Uh, you know, when I was watching this movie, there was a times that I was watching it that I thought I was watching more or less a big-budget Hollywood film. There were other times I watched it, I was thinking I was watching a made-for-TV movie. Kinda, right? It just kind of depended on the scene, depended on the circumstance. But what this movie really did for me was transplanted me back to the 80s. I mean, <laughs> the the portrayal of this guy's job and these people's haircuts and their outfits and their clothing and their glasses, it could not be more 80s than this. Uh, even the house that this uh, guy is in, and uh, the guy's name is Peter, uh, his house... The first shot in the movie is kind of a pan up this house. And from the outside, it looks like this very old, it's like a mansion that looks like a castle, but it's kind of smack dab in the middle of a city, right? There's got to be a term for that kind of architecture. It's it's a brownstone, uh, and like <laughs> I, I don't know it's, that <laughs> it's, it's a three it's a three story brownstone, which is amazing, and like that you know it, it's very New York. It's especially you know, like you said, it's this movie paints the picture of what we all thought New York was like in the eighties. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if it was really like that, um, but you know ev- you know these business people in power suits walking down the street, and everybody lives in these brownstones, you know. These brownstones in New York, uh, only famous people or the very, very wealthy live in them. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> they're, they're kind of like these standalone buildings right in the middle of the city. Um, I mean, they've today, I mean, they have to be worth millions upon millions of dollars. And we're kind of just supposed to believe that this kind of, I guess he's kind of upper level business, financial guy i don't know um but supposedly he bought this place uh and uh refurbished the whole thing himself which 
all right, I mean, willing suspension of disbelief that this guy could afford this huge <laughs> standalone building right in the middle of Manhattan. But, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Manhattan, which at times looks like Canada because uh, that's where it was filmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this guy, Peter, is a... Again, like you said, I'm an up-and-coming businessman, business executive. We meet him, and his wife is Shannon Tweed. Now, Shannon Tweed, I mean, I mean every other up-all-night movie that wasn't a horror film, Shannon Tweed was pretty much in <laughs> in the 90s. She's a former uh, Playboy centerfold, and this was her very first film role. She did a, I don't know, I think she did a couple episodes of Falcon Crest and some TV series before this. Uh, but this movie came out like two years after she posed for Playboy. And then she just took her top off for, I don't know, over a hundred hundreds of movies basically between mm -hmm. the 80s and the 90s. I knew more the 90s Shannon Tweed, and this is the much younger, like, I don't know, like 20s or early 30s, Shannon Tweed. Um, and yeah, she's pretty stunning, but she doesn't have a lot of airtime in this movie. No, no. And that's the, like, when I was reading about the movie, there, everything I saw was like, it's Shannon Tweed's first movie. And um, she gets, you know, she gets the, and introducing Shannon Tweed mm -hmm. uh, in the opening credits. And she's the main guy's wife. Um, yeah. So I was expecting her to have more of a role. But when I was looking at the IMDb page, she's listed like five characters down. Um, yeah. And it makes sense because she's really not in it. Like, <laughs> like she shows up in the first 30 seconds so you can look at her boobs. Yep. And then, <laughs> and then after that, I can only imagine that she probably could have filmed all of her stuff in a couple of days. Like, yeah. And, and on somewhere far, far away because she's right. hardly with her husband in most of it. <laughs> no, she's on the phone for like 90% of her screen time. <laughs> yeah, where you can see her in a swimming suit. Or yeah. <laughs> in a tennis outfit. In either case, we don't get to see her boobs, but we get to see her nipples poking out pretty hard. <laughs> it's so bald on its face. <laughs> yeah. That you, yeah. you have to smile. And it's funny because I didn't, I knew nothing about this movie and I had no idea what kind of movie it was going to be. And then so you get that, that, the opening, you know, the opening shot is of this building or whatever, and then it goes inside, and the husband, I feel like, is maybe, I don't know, laying on the bed or getting dressed or something, and then it goes to her in the shower, and I'm like, oh, well, it's going to be this type of movie. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not just like, we got Shannon Tweed, so let's just show her boobs real quick, and then we'll move on. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it was like... Tracy Lord's uh, starring role in Not of This Earth, you know, same right. deal. <laughs> Got to get the boobs in there, and then, well, in Shannon Tweed's case, you know, there was a boob. There were at least two boobs in every movie she did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, all right, we don't have to keep talking about Shannon Tweed's boobs. Um, let's. Well, um, we might need to because <laughs> well, they're there because there's. there's, not there's there's not a whole lot to talk about with this movie. Like, that's what I kept thinking when I was watching it. It was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to talk about? And I usually take, like, pages of notes. And I've got, like, three quarters of a page of notes here. Because what this movie is about is this guy. Okay, so his wife and kid go on vacation without him. They're going to visit her dad. Um, and he kind of acts like he's a little bit annoyed about it. But he has to stay because... 
there's this new project going on at work that he's been assigned, and if he gets this project done, um, then he's going to get this big promotion, so he can't go. So we get them out of the picture, and then basically the rest of the movie is he realizes that there's a rat in in the apartment, and he battles the rat for the rest of the movie, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to another episode of two guys in a chainsaw Um, if you like this podcast please share with a friend (laughs) and you know we can get into details and there's some interesting stuff to talk about but seriously that's it like to me it felt more like an episode of the twilight zone or tales from the crypt where if they had wanted to they easily could have squeezed this into a oh, half yeah. an hour. And maybe they should have. I mean, it's actually the way, when I was watching it at first, and I knew nothing even, you know, going into it at all either. I didn't look up a thing. I didn't know it was about a rat. Did you? Did you know it was about a rat? I, well, okay, so you sent me the link, because um, I watched it on YouTube. You can rent this movie on YouTube. That was the only place we were able to find it. Um, and in the link, uh, when I clicked on it, the the trailer played. Um, oh, so, okay. so I saw the trailer, and I saw that it was about a rat. But the the trailer makes it look like it's gonna be like there's gonna be some kind of big twist. Like the the very end of the trailer shows the ha- the brownstone being all lit up from behind, like there's like a spaceship behind it or something. <laughs> so i i thought there I thought that there was gonna be some big twist, like these were alien rats or something. Oh, but you no, were waiting. It, you yeah, were waiting for the whole movie, weren't you? Oh man, it's just a, a just a regular old schnauzer-sized rat. <laughs> I didn't even realize at first it was going to be about a rat because there's a there's a couple shots at the beginning where he's making toast or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, standing, and there's his toaster is there, and you see just what looks like a shadow and mm-hmm. creep across the toaster and the reflection and go away. I thought, ooh, that's creepy. It's like like mm-hmm. sinister or something, you know? And uh, there's another scene when he comes home from work. He's been put on this big project. Um, there's there's all kinds of unimportant banter about this project that he's he's been moved from this account to this other account. And, Why in the name of Jove did you pitch that pyramid thing to James Hall? Man, I was flying with that green deep. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Look, I need a hands-on guy, Bart, who's right to handle the reorganization of all of the branch offices of this trust company. Somebody with new ideas, not old ones, with a facelift. Well, this is the topic of the day, Well, right? the topic is over. I needed package for the board of directors meeting in two weeks. In two weeks? Can you do it? I have to shift some things. Which is why I gave Pyramid to Hall. And Lori can handle whatever else you've got. I'll give it a shot. It's yours, kiddo. Because you know what's riding on it. You know, it's just all a bunch of office finance gobbledygook that we don't need to understand. We just know it's right. really important. Uh, right. And so he comes, he comes home from his job, and he's walking around the, the darkness. And, and there's a lot of music throughout this film that plays. It's really creepy. And again, you see this shadow, this really big shadow, kind of almost. It's almost like the shadow's slinking away from him or away from his shadow. And I was like, oh, this is this is going to be. This sort of creepy haunted house kind of things in the shadows kind of movie. Then you just start seeing a lot of close-ups of uh, of rats. <laughs> yeah, like the first one you see, it's like, an <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe it was a real rat paw, but it's such an extreme close-up that it looks 
huge. And so it looks like, you know, scary, evil rat hand. And so, like, yeah. I thought maybe it was going to be, like, demon rats. <laughs> 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 we both Which had high kind hopes. Of, in a sense, it kind of is because this rat that he battles is like the most wicked, vicious, horrible rat you can imagine. Like, I, I was when it I was wants talking to be. To my, yeah, when it wants to be. I was I was talking to my partner about it last night, and like he was rolling his eyes, like I don't care. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to see this movie. I don't want to talk about it. Save it for the podcast. But. I was telling him, I was like, so the rat, when you actually, like when it attacks, because eventually it does, like it starts attacking him and stuff, it's the size of a small dog. Um, Like it's It's huge. huge. But but any, but then they show all these close-ups of it and it's just these extreme close-ups of real rats, like and, re- (laughs) and real rats are not the size, or at least none that I've ever seen in movies or anything are 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 that big so like it, it, there's just kind of this discrepancy like yeah like when you when you actually see the footage of the rats they look i mean they're dirty and wet and gross like they try to make them look as gross as possible but they just look like rats and then when this thing attacks him it's this huge thing <laughs> that he's fighting with and it makes like squealing pig noises um <laughs> Which is kind of hilarious. Uh... That's one of the problems with the movie is the scale is not consistent at all. And you don't even realize, you you really want it to be a big rat, you know? Like the whole Uh time I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, I hope this rat is huge. I hope this rat is huge. And and you're seeing these close-ups of it. And you're like, well, of course they had to close-up film a rat. But, you know, there's no context, you know? So it's it's like the attack of the giant ants, you know? They film these ants really close-up. It's what they had to do. But then you get these shots that are point-of-view shots of, like, the rat scurrying between the wall where it is chewed through the two-by-fours a little passageway for itself. And, I mean, it couldn't be more clear that this rat is smaller than the width of a two-by-four. Right. Uh, (laughs) And so, like, what is it? You know, it's just very disappointing. (laughs) And it can get into the, you know, the closet. It could be on shelves in the closet or shelves in in a small cabinet or cupboard. Um, Mm -hmm. It can come up through the toilet. Um, But... At the same time, like you say, it, it's like bashing itself against the door, like like a dog. And I don't think we were we were working with two rats here. That was not the twist at the end. Was that there were two rats? There was just one. So yeah, that was a that was a problem with the movie. I thought was the general, I don't know, kind of confusion, which leads to a little bit of lack of terror. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel like the movie. Okay, so. Gosh, you know, we're just kind of all over the place, but it's because we can't really talk about plot because seriously, the plot is he just fights this rat in his house. And like there's, you know, it, it starts out normal. Like he tries to set out, you know, regular rat traps and, and that doesn't work because the rat just chews through them. And so then he gets like these big medieval torture chamber <laughs> rat <laughs> traps. Where you get these things, but I don't even think they're legal. <laughs> No I can't imagine. Like they look like bear traps, <laughs> and he's and he sets those around, and it doesn't work. And then like the rats just like tormenting him, uh, and like you know eating his food and chewing up his mail. Like <laughs> that was another thing that I loved. Like it was like this rat really had a vendetta against him. Like, yeah, because at, at, at one point he calls. 
and ex- like he doesn't want to call an exterminator at first because the super of the building next door come on exterminator what are you kidding it's for little old ladies and people don't want to get their hands dirty you don't have any problem with that till you get your hands dirty no i got no problem getting my hands dirty see i renovated this house from the bottom up see jeez very nice very nice be horrible if an exterminator came in here and unrenovated it from the bottom up huh Tear out your cabinetry over here, uh, took this out, maybe got behind the wall, because that's what they do, man. They wreck the place. But eventually, when things have gotten really bad, and obviously this rat is out to get him, he eventually calls an exterminator, and he says to the exterminator, okay, I won't be home, but I'll leave you a key in the mailbox or something, and uh, then I'll leave the check underneath the hood of the turntable, like the record player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he does, and then he comes back, and the rat is still there. It's playing the piano. <laughs> um, it's like I guess it's supposed to be like on the on the chords or the strings of the piano, and so the piano's playing. And he calls the guy, and he's like, "What are you doing? You came and you took my money, and the rat's still here." And the guy's like, "You butthole! There was no money." And like he looks around, and he founds that the rat has taken the check and chewed it up. Like <laughs> the rat, like the rat fun. knew that this was the check for the exterminator. Oh gosh, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny to talk about. I honestly felt like you could take the sinister music out of this movie, replace it with comedic, lighthearted music, and this movie would play as a comedy. In, in fact, as I was going through it, I was bouncing back and forth. I was like, is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be a black comedy? Because it's taking itself awfully seriously at points. But yet, at other uh. times, you know, like there's a moment where he's, uh, he's in the living room reading, and it's really late at night, and the, he hears the rat scurrying up above him, and he stands up on a chair, and he takes the novel he's reading and slams it against the ceiling to try to get it to stop and of course it's Moby Dick Moby Dick yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I think the old man in the sea is like showing on TV like yes yes it's just so there are these little nods these cute little funny things and again it just it's it's really so comical by the end of it and I think part of what helps too is this guy um this super it reminded me a little bit of Fright Night you know, how mm-hmm. um, the kid thinks there's a vampire living next door. So he goes to his friend who's like the vampire expert. Right. Right. And he keeps going back to him and he keeps telling him all this new information or Lost Boys or whatever. You know, the same kind of deal with Corey Feldman's character. Right. This right. guy was like that. It's like, yep, you got a rat. You, you got to take care of it. But you can't just, you know, bring the exterminators in. Okay. So then he puts out the traps. I tried the traps. It didn't work. And he's like, oh, no, you can't use those traps. Those are my grandma's traps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get – so he gets the bigger ones. And he keeps going back to this guy for information or for advice. And eventually he goes to, like, an army surplus dude. And, and he's buying, like – heavy-duty equipment like leather jackets and uh, lights to put on his head and and yeah. uh, it gets again it, it just it ups the stakes but it ups the stakes in a way that a comedy ups the stakes where this yeah. guy is going to more and more extreme measures uh towards this rat in the house yet i feel like the movie just is really trying hard to make this seem so sinister uh-huh that it just doesn't work either direction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, you know, like you said there, he's trying all these different things, and, like, it, it's it's so extreme. Like, we talked about the medieval torture rat traps, and, and then he goes and he buys poison. We've got two main kinds. This one thins the blood, 
and this one works with water. What's the difference? Hmm, that'll turn him into a walking hemorrhage. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want him to bleed all over my furniture. How about the water torture? Steer clear of him for this one. It'll give him a powerful thirst. He'll run for water. Keep your toilets closed and no water around. He'll aim straight for the sewer and drink until he bursts. Pop like a balloon. Really? You watch out. Steer clear of him. You get in his way and he'll go right through you. What was kind of funny to me was when he gets this poison, he just like sprinkles it all over the house. Like, that can't be right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how rat poison works. Like, just... I don't think he... <laughs> the rats just go up. Oh, here's an interesting powder I haven't tasted. Yeah. Oh, right. And and the rats like always watching him. Like, <laughs> like I see what you're doing, Mister. I'm not gonna eat that stuff. Yeah. Um, and and you just see that like the tail slither around a corner or something. It really is funny. I mean, there was a movie I feel like there in the mid '90s or something with Nathan Lane that was called like Mouse Trap or Mouse House or something. Yes. Which was basically the same premise, except it was a kids movie, and they were trying to get some mouse out of a house. <laughs> but like it's the same it's the same thing and the other thing that i thought was was comical was i think that this is supposed to be kind of a psychological movie kind of in the vein of like edgar Allan poe with like uh the mm. telltale heart or something where your main character is getting increasingly more crazy as the tale goes on but the crazier yeah. he gets the funnier it is like yeah. His crazy is funny. Like, it's like wide-eyed, shifty-eyed, putting on military gear crazy. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't play it for the humor at all, like you said. Like, it, it takes itself very seriously, but it's pretty darn funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. And what also kind of is, is a little silly about it is that he gets all this gear, right? And I think for the last half of the movie, he's got a baseball bat he's just carrying around with him everywhere he goes. And any time he actually is at a moment where he knows where the rat is, he just runs away from it, right? Yeah. <laughs> or he doesn't pursue it. Like, for example, here's the rat. It's obviously inside of the piano, you know, walking on the keys or whatever. Right. He sneaks up to it. He slams the lid of it down and, and to trap it inside. And you're like, okay, he successfully trapped the rat inside this piano. Right. Then he just, like, slowly lifts it and sticks his hand in. Yeah. And I didn't understand that at all. I don't. I, what, what was he even? Re what was he reaching in there for? I didn't even understand what was happening. He was reaching in there for a rat trap that he had put in. So he reaches his hand in. He pulls out the rat trap that's already tripped, and he's like, "Damn it!" and throws the rat trap. And I'm like, "What? Like the rat is presumably still in there? Like right?" <laughs> and 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 things like that just happen through the whole movie. I mean, if he's going to carry this baseball bat around, then when the rat comes into to view, you got to run after it and hit it. Instead, he gets scared by it, and he lets the rat go off. And, and he doesn't even follow it, you know, most of the time. There's, there's a scene where he's in the bathtub, right, and he's falling asleep. He has a funny dream sequence about his wife and his son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, when he wakes up, the rat has, is, is attacking him. And so he just runs out of the bathroom, knowing that it's still in the bathroom, and leaps up onto a hammock that is strung up across his son's room and i don't know if that's a hammock he put up there if it was a hammock that had his stuffed animals in it or something or what 
Or was it a hammock in their bedroom? Was that their sex hammock? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Come to think of I it. I don't know. I don't know what that hammock was doing there. Anyway. <laughs> I, I I also don't really understand the G. I mean, I, I get that this is supposed to be it, – it's, it's, it's a standalone building, so they have the whole building. Um, but I never really understood the geography. Like, I never really understood where he was in relation to other places. Like, because – uh, at at some point he goes down into well the the super the next door super tells him well did you uh, check the boiler room and he's like no I put stuff in the basement but I didn't check the boiler room like you've got <laughs> like a sub basement like I don't even understand what's happening and and so then when he when he goes down there he finds like this sewage pipe that the cap has been screwed off of. So I guess, and he's like, oh, now I know how you got in here. Like the rat screwed off this thing. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and like, and I feel there was stuff peppered throughout. Like you mentioned Moby Dick and the old man in the sea. Like we're supposed to get these references. Um, in so he finally figures out that the rat is, I guess, you know, getting in through the, basement or whatever and he finds a whole nest of baby rats and that's the first time (laughs) that the rat like attacks him like squealing like a pig i guess like it's protecting its young or whatever and he just like he just drops all the rats and and runs and (laughs) seriously this rat that we never really see. I mean, we kind when it's big and attacking i mean we kind of see it just looks like he's kind of wrestling with a stuffed animal but uh, like it, it's got a hold of his his pant leg, and it's like pulling him like a dog would pull him, and and he gets out of there. But there are just so many holes. Like, okay, so you found this whole nest of rat babies, and yet we're led to believe that you're only dealing with one rat. Like, no. that's not how rats work. Like the <laughs> the, the movie the movie even takes the time to tell us that yeah. my favorite scene in the movie well it's twofold first of all he goes and he does research on rats and so we get to see all these gross pictures of rats like eating their babies and eating each other and like just all these nasty videos and things and then he goes to this big important business dinner <laughs> where he just goes <laughs> off on this huge monologue about rats Did you know that over one-fifth of all the grain on this planet is destroyed by rats? And that's more than drought, flood, or even insects destroys. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That's over five billion pounds of food alone in this country. Can you imagine how many mouths that would feed? Not to mention the possible fiscal loss it must mean to the company like this? No, I can't. Yes, it's extraordinary. In the 14th century, the rat carried the bubonic plague flea that killed one out of every three people from India to Iceland. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Can you believe that? The most horrible catastrophe in history. Over one-third the entire population of the civilized world destroyed by rats. Not bombs, not guns, but rats. You take your average rat, it can wriggle through a hole no bigger than a quarter, swim half a mile and tread water for three days. They can eat through lead and concrete with these teeth that are like chisels that exert an unbelievable 24,000 pounds per square inch per tooth. Really? Yeah. They can survive being flushed down a toilet and enter a building by the same route. They can fall five stories down to the ground, run off unharmed. And two rats, mind you, two, just two, give you 20 million rats in less than three years. And they say now there's as many rats on this planet now as people. 
and it's hilarious and everybody is listening to him and they're like trying to eat their food <laughs> he's talking about how disgusting rats are in some cultures how they eat rats and it tastes like stringy chicken and they're all like pulling the chicken out of their mouths yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's funny. And I feel like it's all supposed to lead, you know, we're supposed to see that his mental state is deteriorating, but it really just plays really funny uh, to me. And and it's funnier to talk about it than it is to watch it. <laughs> like watching it, it's just, I wouldn't say it's boring, but like I said, it could have been condensed into a half an hour and I think that it would have been more entertaining. Well, you know, the movie sets up, uh, it does a really good job of setting up a, like a castle of stakes. He has this important account that's at work, and this is obviously interfering with that. Like, he's not able to get his work done, and he, every time he comes into work, the secretary is getting more and more worried about him. He's getting more pressure from his boss, like, I'm not sure you can actually perform. Uh, you know, you got to take care of whatever's going on at home, and he's falling asleep at his desk. So there's that aspect of it. Then, of course, there's that natural thing where nothing he's doing to the rats, these successively bigger and bigger things are, uh, are getting resolved. And then he starts having these nightmares and these dreams kind of where his kid and his wife are involved. Mm-hmm. Like his kid's eating rat poison or his wife gets attacked. And I'm thinking... Well, there are a couple things I'm thinking throughout this whole thing. First of all, I'm waiting for the stakes to, to finally get that high. You know, beyond the one guy in this house against this rat that seems content to let him sleep at night and do his work when he needs to, uh, but tortures him endlessly whenever the, the film calls for it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But then I'm thinking, okay, yeah, but then his wife and his kid are going to come home and they're going to be subjected to this, or maybe they're going to come home early and they're not going to know about the rat, and so there's going to be like some serious danger here. Um, how's this going to come to a head with his account at work, especially after this what had to be like an embarrassing you know, business dinner? There's even a scene where his um, secretary comes home with him and ostensibly just to drop him off. And he says, oh, yeah, come in and have a look at the house. And they have this very short and kind of strange scene where they have an intimate moment. And it's like he's complaining about his wife a little bit and about how maybe she's a little distant from him. Their expectations are a little, are a little different. And she comes up close to him, and they lean in, and they have a kiss. And then the noise from the rat you know, makes a sound and he says, I think you need to go home. So now there's an additional thing, apparently, with his secretary and some, you know, I mean, there's infidelity happening, right? Potentially, yeah. at least the, the, the marks of it. And so there's all this web of stuff that ends up every bit of it just kind of falls away, right? Yeah. The, the kid and mom never come home until the very end after everything is finished. Nothing ever happens with this infidelity. Um, his, his boss at work, at some point, it turns out that uh, the people who they were supposed to meet from you know, the other clients or whatever from the, big si- from the other cities couldn't make it in. And so he says, oh, I guess you got two more weeks to work on this. Yeah, everything just kind of falls into place. Those, those dream sequence scenes, now, initially at, with the first dream sequence uh it was like the kid's birthday or whatever and and the the wife like puts down the birthday cake in front of the kid and then the rat jumps out of it and everybody screams at that point i was thinking oh okay well they've come back but then after that happened i thought they're not coming back they're not going to come back and and be a part of this um and so then later when there was another dream scene 
where he dreams that they come home and like the wife like immediately mounts him while the <laughs> the kid is in the kitchen making up some rat poison cereal um <clears throat> I knew, I knew that they weren't going to really come back, and at least until everything was taken care of, like you said, which is what happens. But then that whole scene with him and the secretary, and I, and I don't even know if she's a secretary or if she's a part. I don't even know who she yeah, was. That's true. Um, but Assistant, uh, at the very least, yeah, it seemed like it. Um, I really didn't like that scene because it just served to make him unlikable and yeah. like gross like and and that's it like it doesn't go anywhere like no and it comes out of nowhere because you don't see this kind of chemistry between them in any of the other office scenes where they're it's all business right you know? i just didn't like that scene and again it's just another example of you could that's something you could have cut <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to make this a little bit shorter and it's not like it was a long movie it's only an hour and a half movie and I would I wouldn't say that I was bored necessarily. It was fine. Um it just was just okay. And and yeah. you know, we're doing requests this month and we've got some interesting requests. Uh <laughs> and it just I I I I find myself sitting here wondering what is it about this movie that made somebody want us to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy I'm happy to talk about it. I'm happy to talk about it, but I don't know. Nick Seibel, Nick. is that who you said? Nick. Yeah. yeah. Nick. Nick, chime in in the comments. Why did yeah. you want us to watch this movie? We I mean, it's fine. Wanted. We did. I'm happy to talk about it, but love to hear your take on it. Well, it's just it's just kind of middle of the road, you know? Again, that's that by the end of it, I did feel like I'd seen a made-for-TV movie, in a way. It was just so middling. Nowadays, made-for-TV movies are pretty good, but back in the 80s, made-for-TV movies were just kind of, oh, that was nice, usually. And then he does all these kind of strange and completely unreasonable things, and I think that made it more difficult to, to buy the whole psychological breakdown of this person. Because, well, let's be honest, Peter Weller... He's kind of stony-faced in every role he plays. He doesn't seem to have a lot of range as an actor. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, you know, I'm thinking of him from like RoboCop and from. He's done a lot of TV work lately. His yeah. name is so familiar to me, but I feel like I just haven't watched a lot of his stuff because he wasn't really that familiar to me. He was the star in RoboCop. He was in Naked Lunch. If you saw that, uh, played the kind of the same kind of guy there. Um, he was Buckaroo Banzai from Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension, which is something I, I've, I haven't ever seen a hundred percent through. But you know, popped in and out of it. He just has a look to him and a way of acting that's not terribly emotional. Mm-hmm. He always tends to be the dark, broody guy, or in the case of RoboCop, the robot. <laughs> right. And in this movie, you don't really see anything but dread from him. It's dread from work. It's dread from the rat. Uh, and so where can you go? How do you get more dread? You don't. You just get more stony-faced, except this time you have a lot more gear, you know, right, that you're sitting right. around the house. And and to be fair, it does culminate at the end, like it's supposed to, in a huge showdown with the rat. But honestly, that, <laughs> even at this point, it's just a rat. Right. It's only one. And up till now, it hasn't killed anybody. It except, the tra- <laughs> except the cat. Except the cat. 
Yeah, that was another thing. Let's come back to the cat. Let's come back to the cat in a second. <laughs> but except for the cat, it hasn't killed anybody. It hasn't tried to gut him in his sleep. It's basically left him alone except for a few moments. And otherwise, it just tears stuff up. You know, at one right. point it tears up his work. And I think, oh, great, all hell's going to go loose. And that gets dropped. At the end of the movie, when he's going crazy and he's got his bat that he has nailed uh, nails into... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his completely leather-geared-up outfit and his helmet and the whole nine yards. I'm sorry. Even a rat the size of the dog is not going to get through this guy before he could kick it or whack it with this thing. You know? It's just not going to happen. It's not this rat that we've seen. You know? Right. And so it seems to me, when he's running around the house, destroying his own house to get to this rat, the rat was on the defensive pretty much the whole time unless right. he brought the house down on him somehow that was the other thing i thought maybe he's secretly chewing through all the two by fours and the house is going to come down on him or something you know it's, <laughs> but I, I was looking for anything <laughs> well and and that's the thing like i feel like the guy if we i don't even feel like we i don't even think we said his name bart his name is bart <laughs> um <clears throat> Um, Bart thinks that this rat's like out to get him and you know the movie kind of goes out of its way to make it seem like it is but really it's just doing rat stuff like yeah. it's just you know chewing, chewing through the walls eating the food um, at some point it finally chews through the electrical wires and Bart's like aha I wondered when you'd finally get to that like, <laughs> like I get it but you know you think this rat's out to get you but that's what rats do and that was the, the other thing that I kind of kept thinking about like this is in New York City. There are rats. Like <laughs> like we're going to make a whole horror movie out of one guy's battle with one rat? Like <laughs> I could just imagine people living in New York being like, "Yeah, buddy. You poor thing. You've got one rat in your house. I've got 14 living in my pantry." <laughs> <laughs> For sure, right? Uh, oh, it's silly. But then you, you talk about that last, uh, the the final battle is is really just funny. I mean, I wasn't laughing at it. I, I wish that it had been funny enough that I could laugh through it. But really, I was just kind of stone-faced watching it. But that's when he's got his big bat and he's got his shin guards on and he's got, you know, all of this protective gear on. And really, I, I knew what was going to happen. You know, he was so concerned about preserving his home in the beginning, and then we were supposed to have seen him go through all this mental deterioration where he's totally blown off his work, and um, he's made everybody at work mad, and uh, and and he's just obsessed with this rat. Well, he kind of has to be because it keeps messing with him, but I knew that it would get to the end, and the end would just be him totally destroying the house, and, and that's what it was, like, he he has that bat, and, he, like, he starts in the basement, and the, the rat's down there, and, like, he busts open a pipe, and so there's water shooting everywhere, and then he just <laughs> goes through the house just destroying everything, yeah. you know, and presumably this- <laughs> chasing this rat who, you know, we see the tail scamper away every time he swings the bat or whatever, um, but he, he just destroys the house, and I feel like this was supposed to be symbolism, but it was so heavy-handed that I just could hardly handle it. In the basement, there's like a scale model of their yeah. brownstone. <laughs> like a dollhouse version of their brownstone. Um, and at one point, 
the what the point that I was getting to was that he destroys that with his bat. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. You're gonna destroy your house. But one of my f- favorite stupid parts of the movie was when he had all these medieval traps set and he set one of them in the dollhouse and then I guess he's going to retrieve it or check it or whatever but it's been moved a little bit but like he's just fumbling his hand around inside the the dollhouse like where is it where is it I'm like you idiot you're gonna spring it on yourself (laughs) and he did like (laughs) really stupid really dumb about a yeah, as stupid as reaching his hand into the uh, piano. <clears throat> you know, another moment of supposed tension that led nowhere that also didn't make any sense was at some point his secretary, I think it's the, maybe the night before his his work is due or something, decides that she's going to break into his house. <laughs> right. She just rifles through his desk and finds clearly marked, it says desk set which i guess means the set that you keep in your desk (laughs) (sighs) yeah i don't know (laughs) maybe i'm too young for this reference anyway so uh she takes it and she instead of knocking on the door (laughs) she just lets herself into his home and then i mean remember she has no idea that any of this is going on um Mm -hmm. she the only idea she has is she's seen like rat like well obviously him talking about the rats at the dinner I think she was there. And, um, you know, she's seen, like, magazines and things about her. I mean, he's, clearly he's got some weird rat obsession. Right. But anyway, she doesn't know what what he's facing at home. In fact, from that earlier scene, the only thing she can logically think that he's facing at home is some kind of depression about his wife and son. At least I think that's what the movie was trying to set up. So she comes into this house and is, like, meekly, hello? And then spends the next 10 to 15 minutes quietly prowling around like she's expecting (laughs) something to jump out around the corner any moment it makes no sense a why she's there b why she just didn't announce herself uh, and then c why she's creeping around the house like there's something to be scared of Uh, and and she's and she's walking around in her stocking feet and so we we just we see her feet like just walking right by these medieval rat traps like (laughs) like yeah uh, she's gonna step in one of the scary rat traps but she doesn't she just finds him and he's crazy (laughs) <laughs> There's no payoff there whatsoever. She doesn't get attacked by a rat. She doesn't step into the rat trap. She sees him on the stairs, and he's like, you need to leave. Yeah, he's, but, like, in the squatting position with, like, an army helmet on. <laughs> yeah. And so she goes, and that's it. Another scene that clearly could have been cut. So let's go back and talk about the cat. Because okay. the cat comes into play after the first scene where they almost made out. And he drops her off or lets her go. Then he turns around and he sees a cat on the stoop of the house. And is like, aha, you're going to help me out. And he picks <laughs> up this cat, brings it in, and has a charming little conversation with this cat on the kitchen counter. Where you get this sweet face? Hmm? What do we got in here? A saucer. Yes. Over here. Would you like some old ketchup for me? You like a lime? Hmm? No? No? Okay. How about a cucumber? Or a banana? What's in here? Let's see what we got in here. Did you know that I was king of all the pretties? Did you know that? Oh, good. Two-week-old oysters. Want some of those? Oh, I like those. I used to have a pretty just like you. Except my wife sneezes, so I can't have one anymore. And I have to think that most of that was ad-libbed. 
again, another thing that has absolutely no payoff. The cat just walks around the house. And the rat stalks it. Like, there are so many funny things going on here. Okay, so he just, like, he sends her off in the taxi, and then he's like, oh, hello, kitty. And he picks up this beautiful cat. Like, <laughs> I imagine street cats in New York are not, not this gorgeous. <laughs> not being, like, these beautiful house cats. And, like, he picks it up, and it's totally docile and nice, and he takes it in the house. And I, I'm thinking, like, A, if that's an alley cat, that's not what alley cats are like. B, if that's really what that cat is like, you just stole somebody's cat. (laughs) (laughs) Just scan that thing for a chip. (laughs) And then he takes the cat in, and this poor pretty cat is just, you know, we just see shots of it, like, walking around the house like a cat would, like the rat, like, stalking it from above. Like, the cat will be walking under a glass table, and you'll just see the rat's big, wet, gross paws on the <laughs> tabletop and then eventually like again there there is a payoff but not much of one because he the guy uh, bart just wakes up one morning and he goes to get milk and as he's pouring his milk blood starts to drip into it and he looks up and there's the poor dead cat like <laughs> just hanging over the side of the refrigerator and again it's it's like this rat has a vendetta you know like it's right. it's intentionally taunting this guy do you think it's because he messed with her babies or something? <laughs> was that what it was? I don't was know, that what but we're that supposed was to believe. Other, I guess I think it was probably supposed to be, but I also thought that it was funny that like he found this rat, this nest of rat babies, and then when the mom attacked him, he just dropped it, and like he dropped it on a grate, and like some of them like fell down through the grate, and some of them didn't, and. I, frankly, expected at the end for there to be a twist, because I was like, where are those rat babies? Like, yeah. I, I thought there would be an army of rat babies that would come to protect their mother, but... No. Apparently not. I just, I actually, I don't, I don't know, this was going through my mind, too, because he finds the cat, <clears throat> but before the cat dies is when he gets the poison and puts it around the house. Or maybe it's after he gets the cat, and I'm thinking... Are you cleaning up that poison, or are you going to let the cat eat the poison, too? I <laughs> Well, and there are shots of the cat walking all around those traps. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, cats exactly. don't know what traps are. <laughs> like, <laughs> that cat is going to get caught in one of those traps. Dummy. This is not oh, a Tom and Jerry cartoon. <laughs> maybe, maybe they were... I'd like to believe that they were saving the rat babies for the sequel. Like, oh. <laughs> like known origin two, <laughs> the revenge. <laughs> known origin. Oh god. Oh man. Well, you know, I said I wasn't able to find a lot about this movie online, but one thing I did find is apparently John Waters is a huge fan of this film. So is Stephen King. Stephen, Stephen King says King it's one of well. his favorite movies. Yeah. But I hadn't what read about John Waters. What? Well, on IMDb, which of course is a completely reliable source, it says that it's Stephen King's favorite movie. There's so no anyway, way. I don't know. There's no well, there's way. that. Uh, well, but what did John Waters have to say about it? John Waters had to say it's the Citizen Kane of rap movies. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I don't know. I haven't. I don't know. I've never seen Ben. I've never seen Willard or any of that. Uh, any of that, but if this is the Citizen Kane of rat movies, I guess we don't need to bother doing those later on our right. podcast. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. And and frankly, like it's not a terrible movie. It's not. No. It's not 
terribly made. I mean, some of the giant rat effects are pretty unbelievable and kind of, you know, laughable to look at. But, um, you know, there's some suspense and... I don't it's know. I'm, I'm really, best. I'm, stri- I'm trying really hard to find nice things to say about it because I've seen way worse recently. <laughs> We've seen <laughs> way worse. So we maybe sure I'm being, maybe I'm being generous uh, with this one just because we've come off some real crap piles lately. But um, it, it's it's okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, I I'm not surprised that I'd never heard of it before. It, it's a perfectly serviceable film. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it at all, and you might enjoy it with your kids or something. And I bet you know it's one of those movies where if you watch it as a kid, it's way scarier. Yes, uh, you know, and uh, then you come back and watch it 20 years later as an adult, and you're super disappointed. Right, <laughs> but the cinematography is fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty good. That in there is really good. There's some really nice sweeping camera angles, some really interesting things they do with transitions, especially when he's going off into dreamland and stuff, um, taking you around the house. Uh, they do these little moments where if you, like, it doesn't even call attention to it, so you wouldn't, you know, you might miss it, where where just off in the corner of a scene, you'll see a little shadow or you see a little rat tail disappearing around the corner, you know, with no fanfare, which is really neat, you know, for them to put these kinds of things in. It's just in service to a plot that's just kind of, eh. By the end of it, he meets his family. They all hug out in the front of the house. Uh, he invites them in. Oh, my God. Bart, what happened here? I had a party. Yeah. <laughs> there are some really good lines, like when he's talking about how some people in other countries eat rats, and he says, a filthy rat on fine china. That was a great line. And then um, uh, there's another one when he's talking to the rat, and he says, this town ain't big enough for the both of us. I've tried dope. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, like I'm a badass. I can take care of a rat. I've tried dope before. <laughs> it's got some good lines, some good funny parts. So you know, it, it there's does. that going for it. Yeah. All right. So that's a very tepid uh, thumbs to the side from both <laughs> yeah, of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. You know what? Um, thank you, Nick. Anyway, for your recommendation, we do enjoy seeing films that we haven't seen before, and this Absolutely. was certainly a film that we hadn't seen before. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we'll never see again. Probably <laughs> <laughs> not. <laughs> Well, thank you again for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on Stitcher and on iTunes. Give us a shout-out on Facebook as well. We have a page there. Uh, you like us on there. Let us know what you thought of this film, any other future films you'd like to do. Earlier, Craig referenced some really interesting stuff that we have seen lately. And uh, the last movie that we watched before this one, we couldn't even bring ourselves to talk about. But if you go onto our website at twoguys.red40net.com, you can see the review of Street Trash, uh, another request that we got this month. And we watched it, and we wrote about it, and we're posting these reviews every Thursday as well to supplement the audio podcasts. Until next week, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. 